Lupos Baseball presents the Player Development Podcast, where you run the show. I'm your host and voice, Coach Leo Young, asking experts in the field of player development for insights, advice, strategies, and your questions on how to take your game to the next level. So sit back, relax, and let us give you a roadmap to success. In the intro, I said that you run the show and that I will be your voice. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We interview all of our guests two times. The first interview is dedicated to their journey and all the information that I talked about in the intro. Advice, tips, tricks, strategies, do's, don'ts, and all the pertinent information that helped them achieve and that you need to know so that you can get to the next level. Now, it is impossible for me to ask the guest all of the questions that I want to ask them. So, what I need from you, the athlete and the parent that supports the athlete, as you're watching this podcast and you have questions that come up that I don't ask, put them in the comment section. Because on our second interview, I'm going to be dedicating that time to the questions that you put in the comment section. Maybe I missed something. Maybe it's something you wanted to ask. Maybe you want more clarification on a certain topic. Put it in the comment section. And on that second interview, I'll be sure to ask it. As you're putting those questions in the comment section, please remember to subscribe, like, and ring that notification bell so YouTube will notify you the next time we post a video. Now that you know how to support the channel and get your questions answered, let me introduce you to our guest. Super stoked to present to you Grant Balfort, 10 plus year big league pitcher. Let me let me tell you a little bit of some of the stuff he's done. Sydney, Australia born. So he got here from Sydney, went up with the Twins. He pitched for over 10 years in the big leagues with several different clubs, including Tampa Bay, Minnesota, as well as Oakland. And in Oakland, he broke Dennis Eckersley's consecutive save record. 44 consecutive saves. 44 consecutive saves. Took him two seasons to do that. He also had came back from devastating shoulder reconstruction and elbow reconstruction in the same year. He sat down with us and he talked about his midweek process, what he does to get ready to play, get ready to pitch. He also gave great information on what he liked to do on his recovery process to get ready for that next day. And of course, he shared incredible advice, great strategies, and great information for those rising players trying to get to that next level. Right now, let's check out that podcast with me and Grant Belfort. Grant, how are you, man? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? Good to see you on here. Yeah, good to see you too. We're having some technical stuff, but we just got it squared away. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, brother. Yeah, no worries. Um, Glad to be on here and uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. So you retired uh, a little while ago. So I know a lot of the folks that watch the podcast are going to know who you are, but some won't know who you are. So let's cover a little bit of, uh, of who you are. You're not from the U.S., right? You're Grant Balfour. You you pitch in the big leagues, but you didn't grow up in the U.S. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Sydney, Australia. Um, so uh, it's it's always a, a fun little thing for me to you know when I go out and do clinics and whatnot with kids and tell them, hey. I know, know right? The, the accent is always the coolest. The uh, the Australian and New Zealand accents are by far the coolest accents on this planet. I think. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm trying to hold on to it. Being here a long time, but uh yeah, people in Australia will say different and tell me I sound American and then uh you know, it is what it is. I'm kind of, of, course. A, a, bit right. of a hybrid probably now. Spent yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit of a hybrid. Over here. <laughs> that works. So talk about a little bit about the baseball growing up where you grew up. Now, of course, here it's little league. And I mean, especially where we are in Florida, it is just little league is everything. And there are other sports, obviously we we plan, but pretty much every kid goes through little league. Australia is a little different. You've got cricket, you've got rugby. Talk a little bit about growing up in an environment where baseball may not have been the prime sport for a kid. Yeah, so growing up in Australia, obviously baseball is not the, um, you know, like you, I would say the top four sports here, you know, in, in, in the States, you sort of look at hockey, basketball, football, baseball, and around that, don't get me wrong, it is, there's plenty of other sports and opportunities with soccer and lacrosse and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, in Australia, it's it's all rugby, rugby league, Aussie rules, football, cricket, you know, there's a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of water sports and things like that. Um, but, a, but a big sports country and, and um, a big following behind sports and baseball's, you know, it's been growing and it was growing. It was in a big growing phase when I was growing up um, and we're getting better and better over the years. And um, obviously people have been able to showcase themselves and the country's been able to showcase itself in the World Baseball Classics, which has been fun to watch yeah. and, and, uh, and other tournaments. But uh, yeah, definitely taking the chance playing baseball, I guess, as a kid. Did you play um, rugby? Did you play, cric- did you play the other sports too? So my dad was, you know, into the other sports. He grew up at that era. He was cricket, rugby, you know, played the professional level of that. Um, I was, I was sort of, I didn't know, I never played cricket, just the backyard cricket. And when I say that people will know what I'm talking about in Australia. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, played rugby for my school, rugby, rugby league for the school there, uh, the high school I went with, which was fun. I, I love the sport. I mean, I have a huge passion for that sport. And I still follow it today. Uh, follow my uh, beloved West Tigers, who, who wooden spooners the last two years. So I'm a true fan to that. Uh, holding on, you know, not switching teams or anything like that. But uh, hopefully this year, bigger and better things to come. Some new signings. So looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, man. It sounds like you grew up in a sports family. Your dad was a pro athlete. Um, you grew up, you were the kid probably like me that was outside. I wanted to be outside of the house. I wanted to throw something. I wanted to hit something. I wanted to slide down something. I wanted to do stuff. That pretty much how you grew up. Yeah. I would come home from school, get the homework done Yeah, and then jump on the bike and straight down to the park, you know, playing, kicking a football, soccer ball, throwing a ball, whatever it was, be down there for hours until it got dark and then jump on the bike and ride back home. Right, right. As long as you're back home before the sun goes down, you're not in trouble, right? Yeah, it's like, all right, I'm going yeah. to meet, you know, this buddy, this buddy and this buddy. We'd all meet up and um, that's it. That was that was what it was. I mean, yeah, it was a different era. There's no iPads, the electronics weren't there. And I've never been much into even the video games are in that stuff. Anyway, I'm not that kind of guy, honestly. I'm, yeah. I'm an outdoors guy. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Now, did you play Little League and T-ball? Did you do that growing up or was it more in the park? Yeah, no, I mean, I was uh, basically stumbled across the game with my dad. Um, we we're out one day. I know we were just kind of 
went and looking around and there was a park there. They were playing a game. We didn't know what it was um, at the time. I was about uh, six years old, I believe. And they said it was T-ball. And um, we sort of sat there and watched it. And then uh, we, we started asking a few questions. And they said, yeah, you could sign up. It's a very new club kind of thing or just getting trying to get started. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was called the Kings Langley Baseball Club. And uh, one thing led to another. I started playing. And my dad ended up starting, basically starting that club with another guy. Uh, by the name of Steve Edmonds. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's they they took off. He fell in love with the game. He was sort of, you know, past his playing days and whatnot of cricket and rugby and whatnot, rugby league. And I was just getting started at the young age. And and that's how we grew into baseball. We really, uh, that, that Kings Langley Baseball Club was where it all started for me. Um, you know, they have a, a field there named after my dad when he passed away. And so some good, good memories there. For sure. So your dad really plugged into it. He he grabbed onto it and took it to the next level, took that little league and, and raised it up so much so that you went through the program. Then eventually he had a park named after him. Yeah, that's 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 how it went. Um, it's, uh, you know, when I look back at it and think, man, it was just, uh, you know, just two guys that really had no idea about the game, but we yeah. just fell in love with it. And we, and he, you know, he started playing in the beer league, not, not so much beer leagues, but uh, I put the beer baseball on for that yeah. today. <laughs> but, um, but he was playing in the men's leagues and whatnot, you know, that were just enjoying baseball. And I was, you know, I was just coming up as a little kid, had no idea that the game was even played in America, to be totally honest. No really? idea. Just, just thought it was, this is a game that's played in Australia. I'm six, seven years old. I, I barely know anything, you know, any history about the game. It was just, we loved it. We had a passion for it and we grew, grew up and we, our, our lives became, you know, our baseball became our lives. Our lives became baseball type of thing. Well, in, in, in doing my research, your father and, and some of the information is a little tricky to kind of get. He owned the blue Sox. Is that the team that you're talking yeah. about there? Or is that something different? Uh, so that's that's the uh, professional team. It's uh, later on, once we had gotten through Kings Langley Baseball Club, which is the you know, local club, and then you can go on and play at different levels, right? As you get older, but this is the this is the Australian Baseball League that they have today, and and back then they were called the Sydney Blue Sox, which they still are today, I believe. Okay. Um, so yeah, they still have the Blue Sox there, um, and, and various other teams in Adelaide and all the different states. But he was uh, a GM of that team and uh, yeah, probably had some part ownership in it or whatever, but yeah. Okay. So, so he, he helped build the sport as it is today in Australia. Is that safe to say? He's in the hall of fame, Australian hall of fame uh, on the other side of things. I'm in there for playing and he's, I believe he's in there on the other side of things. So it's, uh, we we both went hand in hand. He was on one side of the game playing it himself a little bit for fun. And I was growing and, Eventually, you get to a certain age where I, you know, I wanted to make a career of it. But at the time, I didn't realize that earlier on. Right. So that's awesome. So your dad was on the admin side, uh, the organizational side, and then you were on yeah. the playing side. That's got to be pretty good for you, though, being a pro guy and seeing a little bit on the inside as a young kid on how the admin work. Because it's baseball is a little, yeah. little tricky from the administrative and organizational side, right? Yeah, so he he started out on the coaching side because he was just as a coaching the teams. 
I mean, whenever we get into something, he kind of just goes head first into it, right? So he's yeah. he's coaching me as we're learning the game. Um, so he be, he was a coach, start you know, coached at all levels, coached all the way up to Australian levels, and then got into the admin side of it too. Um, but always uh, heavily involved in the game, yeah. So, but like you said, I, I got to see sort of how he run the. Um, you know, our professional league in Australia, I guess, at, yeah. when I got a little older and things like that. And realizing now there's a lot to that, obviously, in the game here in the on the major league side. It's a whole different yeah. ball game. But, yeah, it's a business, right? It yeah. is. And, um, you know, once you uh, once you learn, you know, when you're a kid going up, you're, you, you play for such a passion and you play it for the love. And then the business thing can kind of, I don't want to say taint it, but it puts a yeah. different light on it. And once you accept that, it's not that big a deal. But sometimes guys can bump their head on that, like, uh, holy crap, this is a business. And, uh, yeah, it, it is. I mean, how do you think you get your paycheck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. It is, and it's, you know, you got to sometimes uh, separate the two. But Yeah. Mm. Now, you said uh, there's just a moment ago, you said there's a point at which you wanted to make a career out of that. When, when did that, what age were you thinking, like, I want to do this? Yeah, so I was, you know, I was playing all sports. Like you said, you're outside playing this and that. And I was, loved swimming and running and go out and run the cross country and, the, you know, and the athletics carnivals that we used to have at school, you know, I'd, I'd run the 400, I'd turn around and sprint down there to run the 800. I want to compete in everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I loved all that stuff. And, and playing different sports, soccer and, um, you know, other various sports that I was playing growing up. But probably by the age of 14, I would say, I really started to um, focus in and hone in on baseball alone. Started hey, to... Were you a dual role guy? Because you pitched. Your career at the big league level yeah. was a pitcher. Yeah. At that age, though, I would imagine you were probably a dual position guy. What else did you play? Well, so I had never pitched. I actually wasn't even a pitcher. I... um I actually never even had pitched. I was a catcher. So I coming up, I played, you know, like shortstop and T-ball and whatnot in the infield, just play everywhere, right? Yeah. And then got to a certain age where I started to catch. And I was a catcher and I caught for, you know, New South Wales and, you know, Australian team and whatnot um, as a catcher. Okay. And every year we'd go to these tournaments, you know, in um, – play for new south wales in the australian baseball tournaments at christmas time and we go and we we win it every year honestly new south wales we, we always won it we would always go up against you know melbourne victoria and to this day we'd give them a hard time all those guys we played against as you should as we should i mean we we we, we did have a good bunch of guys and, and great bunch of players uh and those were fun tournaments and that was where you really got to um be seen you know it was sort of a lot of scouts, a lot of pro scouts coming down to those tournaments from the States and, and, and guys that lived in Australia that were affiliated with the, the teams from America. So that was where, you know, sort of opened our eyes to what was going on in America more at those ages, you know, 14s, 16s, 18s tournaments. Right. Um, but yeah, I was a catcher. Um, wasn't the greatest of hitters, right? So one of the guys said, hey, you know, you're a great catcher and whatnot. But I think if you want to sign a, a big league deal and get to the big leagues, you're going to, if you jump on that mound, I'd like to see what you can do. So that's what I did. I jumped on the mound for a year and I think I won like pitcher of the year in 
in the in the league back home, yeah. uh, in our first grade league, and signed right after that. Just turned nineteen and signed uh, with Minnesota Twins. So it's kind of all right. All- so you you went with your strength. You you could throw right. Yeah, I always had a good arm. I always threw guys out from um, behind the plate. Yeah, I, mean, I I love to throw the ball around as a catcher. You know, I want to throw behind the guy. I want to throw the guy out at second. I was, you know, I want to block the ball, come up, throw the guy out. I had that mentality. You know, I just you didn't you just didn't want to let anyone steal bags on you when you're back there, right? Yeah, it took a, a had a passion for that. Yeah, so, as a uh, as a former catcher, I can say that's what that's one of the things, man. It's. Uh, you're not getting a second. And if you get a little far off the third, I'm coming to get you. So I fully yeah. understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. So now you're you're on the bigger side of things. How tall are you? 6'2". Uh, yeah, okay, 6'2". All right. But you have a very long, angular, shortstop, athlete kind of body. So as you're growing up, you're kind of that athlete. You're the guy that roams around, good arm, and you're just a good athlete. At 14, you said, you know what? Let's make some changes. And then you went onto the mound and that's when it really flourished, right? That's when Well, at, at 14, at 14, I was saying, I want to go to, I was seeing guys sign. This is when I want to focus on baseball and go to America. Okay. I didn't get on the mound until I was 18. Okay. I literally 17, sort of 17 going on 18. I didn't get on the mound until then. And then I signed at 19. So really before I got into professional baseball, I only had just over a year of pitching under my belt. So you just went right on the mound. <laughs> you're throwing it, you're slinging it. And yeah. how hard were you throwing? I mean, it, it was it. I was 86 to 90. Okay. But it's a projectable 86 to 90. Scouts are looking at it as a former scout. I'm looking at it. Okay. Yeah. 6'2", long rangey, comes out loose. That's good action. We can work with that. Yeah, and you got to remember 86 to 90. We're talking 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was that's good. Uh, too. 90 back in 1996. Yeah, was like throwing 95 right now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. you remember the talk? If you hit 90, you're like, man, this guy's throwing 90. He's throwing hard, right? Right. Now that's if you throw 90, it's like you need to start throwing harder. You know, it's like, you know, throwing hard enough. Right. If you're not throwing 90 in the JV, you're hey, you got a problem. You know, it's a whole different conversation, but. um but yeah, that that's kind of where I was at, and uh, honestly, getting into professional baseball, you know, and, and getting into a routine and, and strengthening my arm as a pitcher and, and going through all those things, I was able to develop. And so you signed with Minnesota, came over to the states, first time out of the country. No, no, I'd been out of the country before. Uh, I'd been lucky enough; my parents had taken me around the world a couple of times, actually, when I was twelve. Wow! On just just vacations. Yeah, uh, but I'd been to America, did the Disneyland thing as a kid growing up in Australia. Disneyland's the coolest thing ever, right? So at right, the right. age of eleven, we're over there in Disneyland. So that that was uh, always a great memory, great trip. Um, okay. I ended up going to representing, and we took like a, a club team that represented Australia, and we went and played in Hawaii in a tournament for two weeks. Uh, so I got to do that. And then prior to that, I'd, I'd been over with an Australian team and, and being down there and played in the um, area code games and whatnot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. California and, and all that. So, I, I, you know, I had a little taste of the States, but it was more the West Coast, California type feel, which, you know, isn't too bad. So That's yeah, pretty awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty awesome out there. I got family out there in L.A. and it's uh, 
it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So, so you, signed- you know, was- go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. So, I mean, I, I, I saw, you know, what was going on in the baseball world here. I was like, well, obviously this is where it's at. Right. Yeah. 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 Right on. You sign with the twins you're off and you go to spring training, you know, talk about yeah. that first experience going from Australian baseball to this is, you know, kind of, I want to say the big time, but because the minor leagues aren't the yeah. big time, but it uh, is kind of the thing that everybody wants to do. So talk about your experience there. What was going on there with the twins? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, I guess the first thing is getting on that plane and making that flight, you know, long, long flight all the yeah. way over arrive. I can, I can sort of remember it arrive, get in and just, basically getting in three days early because I just, I remember when I opened up those curtains, uh, the hotel room was staying in and it just seemed like someone had one of those big, big bright lights that they use on the street lights at night. And was just glaring at me. And I, I, the room was so dark and I opened up the blinds. I was like, Oh my God, I could, I felt like I was just out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. After yeah. a long flight like that, I saw the sun there. I was like, Geez, I don't know how I can even move, but that's why we got in a couple of days early just to kind of get acclimated with the time difference and whatnot. But uh, yeah, we, you know, we get on that van and down to the field, you know, we got no cars. We, we don't have anything like that. We're sort of coming from Australia with not much came over with one suitcase. So it's take the van from the hotel to the field and back every day and, and uh, start to get to know some people. I knew one guy that had signed with the twins. So it was kind of a, you know, a little bit of a familiar face. Other than that, I don't know anyone. I don't know what to expect. Um, yeah, I'm in professional baseball and, yeah. and it's all being thrown at me real, real fast. And you, and you're there to just catch on and learn. And, but the one thing I did take from somebody and, uh, the one thing I'll always mention to kids is that first impressions are, are huge. huge. And I think if you come in there, um, and show these people, Hey, I'm here. I'm in business. I'm going to work hard and I want to make it. They're going to take a liking to you. And, uh, you, you, you never know that, that guy that, that day that they got a, you know, the, um, the draft comes around in June and, and maybe someone's sitting in that room saying, Hey man, we got to keep this guy. You know, he might not have done what we wanted him to do, but we got to keep him. He's going to fight for you. Yeah. I wanted to have those guys on my side. So hundred percent. We talk to guys all the time and you need to give them more than one reason to promote you. And that is I'm a professional and that, that transition from high school to pro ball or from college to pro ball, it's pro ball. It's different. And you have to approach it like a professional. So what we, this is one of my Leo isms. What message are you sending with your speech, with your dress, with your manner, how you sit? They are, we are coaches, man. And we look at everything. There's not a thing that doesn't uh, escape our attention. So that's that's a great point. If you're conveying that to those dudes, I'm here to work, man. You drafted me for a reason, and I'm here to get to the big leagues. I mean, that's that's a great message, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, that was my – go ahead. So when you got there, you didn't go – you went straight to spring training. Yeah, uh, straight to spring training there in Florida. Yep, down there in Fort Myers with in the Fort Twins. Myers. Okay, so Fort that was, Myers that that's Gulf not a Coast whole lot League. different than Australia, is it? No, no, it's it's good weather, warm. Um, 
and yeah, so not 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 a huge change. Um, yeah. And the culture, obviously, the, the biggest change for me is which way to cross the road, looking left and right. You know, we're driving on the other side of the road, and you know, yeah. getting in the car, and 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 I was a little little nerve wracking as far as that goes. Crossing crossing streets that are five and six lanes wide that we don't have a lot of that in Australia. So right. Playing, playing Frogger to get over to Publix to cash a check, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you get you get it figured out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, you get it figured out quick. How was that first year, that that first year in uh, rookie ball? Yeah, I mean, the first year was, you know, I would say um, very much a learning experience, which I expected. Um, a lot of good times, a lot of tough times. Um, a lot of, yeah, you would say ups and downs when it comes to that on and off the field, you know, dealing with being away from home, being so far away from home, you know, we, you got to remember, we didn't have FaceTime. Yeah. We don't, have, we don't have any electronics. I can't see my parents. I can't visually, the only way I can talk to them is on the phone and it costs a dollar 30 a minute to call Australia back then. Right. And it, was, it was a totally different thing, you know? Yeah. Um, no, you're on an Island. You, you're, you talk about commitment. That's committed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just nowadays it's like, yeah, you jump on, Hey mom, I'm FaceTime talking. It's free. It's everything's that I had to go buy calling cards. Yeah. I wasn't making any money. So like sometimes I do the reverse charges, you know, and they're paying a fortune on the other end. We talk for 20 minutes and they're like, you know, hang up, love you. Keep going. And, and that was that. Um, right. Having to yeah. grow up kid. Uh, sorry. Having to grow up fast as a kid, like 19 years old. And Okay. You're, you're away from home, a long way from home. You're in another country. You don't really know anyone. Um, you barely know your surroundings. And you got to go, you know, you're going up the laundromat. You're washing your clothes because you're living at a hotel for six months, eight months. Yeah. Um, a lot of challenges. Yeah. A lot of growing up. Fast. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's kind of part of the process. A lot of guys speak in different languages. I'm sure you played with guys, lots of guys that spoke Spanish as their first language. You know, and back then there wasn't as many uh, players from Taiwan or Asia, but I'm, I'm sure there were, you know, but it's, it's, it's culture yeah. shock, man. And uh, like I said, you're, you're on an Island. And like you said, you got to grow fast. So, and yeah. did, did you go on to the mound? And lots of times in rookie ball, they don't know they're taking athletes. They don't quite know what to do with them. So they kind of throw them in the mix and see what kind of lands. Did you go in as a starter? Did you go in automatically as a closer? Because your big league career was primarily as a closer to come shut things down. Yeah, I started out as a starter. Um, yeah, went into there and they said, all right, you're going to start. And um, that's that's where it all started for me. So, yep, I was on the mound, you know, every fifth day and going through the starters routine and and, um, you know, putting up my innings, logging my innings, and um, I'm going out there and competing. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the starters role because, uh, you know, you had that schedule. And I like that kind of schedule that I could be on. Um, I like yeah. to, you know, write down what I'm doing, could work, get my workouts in and know, knew I was throwing on this day. So all the preparation leading up to it, um, it was just a process, right? And just do it again and do it again. Um, so, yeah, I did enjoy that. All right, so you were talking about you came in uh, in the pro ball as a starter, um, and you really enjoyed that process. And this is what this podcast is really all about. The parents that watch this, the coaches that watch this, and, of course, the kids that watch this. 
the concern is, okay, great. What do I do? So let's talk about you have a, let's say you have a start date on Friday, right? Yep. What are you doing in preparation, specifically getting to that start date? Yeah. So I got my start on Friday. Um, and I got, I got the four days prior, right? Yep. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, yeah, there's sort of Monday, I guess. Well, let's look at it this way. Yeah. Monday, I guess. Um, you know, what am I doing? Well, Probably you, running you, just yeah, from your prior. Coming, let's do it this way. Let's say you're coming yeah. off a start. So let let's come yeah. let's bookend it. You're coming off a start. So that that day after the start, that's generally like a flush run, bigger cardio get all the toxins out, hyperhydrate, maybe milk the arm, whatever that is. And then you're building yeah. up to your next start date. It's called a ladder and the progression yeah. coming off of, uh, you know, let's say you had a start yesterday, right? And let's yeah. say you threw a hundred pitches and you went six innings and got a win. Right. What, what do you do today? What's what, and everybody does a little differently, but what works for you as a starter? Yeah. So it's, um, Hey, it's been a while since I went through the starting process. Obviously, been retired and been been a while, but going back uh, for me, it was like you said, it was it was just a big flush day. Yeah. Um, you know, get out there, run, get a flush in, get some maybe like you said, get the arm milked and stuff like that. Um, you're still going to get out there and obviously throw, uh, but just just light and easy throwing session that day. Nothing off the mound, just a play catch. It's very light um yeah so you're gonna go uh, gonna in get... you're gonna just play a little catch and move the arm do you do your yep. band work do you stabilize do you band work there the, on that day too yeah i'm gonna stretch i'm gonna stretch uh i use my bands i'll use the bands a lot to stretch yep um you know keep that flexibility might do some real light stuff with the bands just to kind of more of a warm up as opposed to any type of a exercise to really burn it out. Cause it, I've just felt like, you know, I just did that yesterday throwing. Yeah. So nothing too strenuous on the arm the next day. It's all more, you know, the running uh, and then, and then jumping in the gym and just getting a bit of a lift yep. and whatnot. Uh, and not lift not is too really, heavy. For a lot of guys, that's a range of motion kind of lift. It's to, um, to feel strong because you're coming off a start. You feel a little yeah. shredded, you know, and yeah. that's what we do. We shred ligaments and shred tendons. Baseball is a unique sport that way. We don't use our strength directly against our opponent. We use it indirectly to create principles of force. And that is a tremendous grinding effect on ligaments and, and tendons. So you're going to get a flush run in. You're going to get those toxins out. You're going to get that, that, you know, 20 minutes or whatever and get a lift in. And it's yeah. just mainly to feel good, right? To feel better. Yeah, just keep keep the body moving, uh, get all that lactic acid lactic acid out of the body and things like that. And um, yeah, like I said, nothing too strenuous, but like I said, just get the body going. I'm going to get in the gym and work out. Uh, probably more of a lower body session okay. that day. Yep. Um, and stay away from the upper body. Um, and, and I used to love to do the hot and cold therapy too. Contrast, uh, contrasting therapy, isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. I'll get in there and do that. Uh, I feel like that just for me helped the muscles. Just would you isolate or would you go into the tub, like fully immerse in the tub? Uh, yeah, fully immerse, fully yeah. immerse. Yeah, I get in there. 
yeah, yeah. If, if there was if it was available to me i get in the cold tub in the hot tub cold hot finishing cold if it was yep or something where um you know um i would do the same thing even when i was uh gonna pitch um i go hot cold hot cold and then finish in the hot uh and then go right. out and play and right, then go right. play when we're recovering, we want to end with cold. When you're yeah. preparing, you end with hot to yeah. get to get it, it. It's vasodilation. You want to get the blood in to get ready, but you want to get that blood out when you're recovering because that blood helps carry, like you said, the lactic acid and all that exhaust of exercise. It just lays latent in the in the muscle bodies. So I want to get that out with the cold. So Monday yeah. is a, is a recovery day for you and. Were you pretty rigid? Did you like the rigidity of it? You like the scheduling of it, but would you vary with it? Or was it pretty much all the same thing for you? Um, it was very much the same. It all depended on how, you know, the the in-between, I would say the next day was all pretty much the same. Um, where it varied was depending on how many pitches I threw and how my arm felt as far as my bullpen sessions would go. I would okay. do what was called a flat ground the second day. Yep. So, um, Flat ground or, or just up short on the mound or just go light on the mound. It varied between, you know, where I was in my career and, um, you know, how many, like I said, how many pitches or how much workload I'd put on my arm. I mean, if I had thrown 25 pitches and got knocked out in the first, I was, I was going to get on the mound and do a bit of work. I was like, man, I got, I got something to work on here today and I need to get up here and throw and I got to, you know, figure some stuff out. When I was locked in and everything felt good, it was just a matter of just touching it up, not trying to overexert. But that bullpen day, I used to at the end, I used to like to let it eat a little bit, you know. Now was uh, that think, later in the later in the week for you, closer to your start, or would you go uh, and pin on Tuesday? Usually, I would have the you know day off, light bullpen, then yep. the heavier bullpen, day off, and then the game. Right. That that was the schedule. Um, and the lifting, like I said, was, was in between day after maybe get some lower, get some upper and then very, just kind of a couple days of sort of heavier lifting. Um, you know, not obviously anything crazy, but heavier lifting in the sense of baseball wise, because, you know, we're always trying to stay limber, but, um, and then that day before was just, you know, it was a rest day, but it was in the minor leagues that was sitting in the stands and, and and even the couple of days prior to when you're in the stands, and I think it's changed now, but you sit up there and you'd mark down, you know, the pitcher from the night before. So you'd see, what did he do? Yeah. You know, he's, he's a right-handed pitcher. He's on my team. He throws 93, 94 with a slider and he carved them up the night before. So, all right, that looked like a pretty good process. I'm going to probably stick with that until they show me they can hit it. You know what I mean? No, no, hundred percent. Yeah. So you're on the book the day before your start, you're, you're the guy in the book, right? Yeah. And you would do, even in the big leagues, you know, guys would do that in the clubhouse. They would sit inside the clubhouse, watch on TV and they would they'd take notes. And I used to, in the minor leagues, one thing for me was I wanted to go into the game prepared and we didn't have a lot of the stats at first right. that they do have today. So it was, a lot of this was on your own, figure it out. Um, you know, all the meetings and stuff that I got to go into and later on in my career in the big leagues and the stats that we had were great. But earlier in the minor leagues, it was sort of, you figure this out on your own. And I, I used to have a little, call it a cheat sheet or whatever you want to call it, you know, and I'd have written down there, 
this guy, number 44, blah, 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 hard in, soft away. And I could pull it out of my back pocket even when I was on the mound and be like, all right, this and that. Or you'd mentally just remember the guys from the night before. And I think that's a that's a huge part of going out there on the mound because when you don't have no clue of who you're facing, you don't know what to expect. Yeah. It's like going into a boxing ring, knowing nothing about the fighter that you're going to fight and just squares you up and, yeah. you know, and lays you out. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, if I yeah, wish I knew I, he had that right hook because <laughs> I would have ducked and bobbed and weaved or whatever. Yeah. If so I would have known that, I wouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. Kind we, of. So it's. Yeah. We, so that we talked was to our guys a, a really lot about that. And it, especially from the pitcher side, because as a catcher, I get to work with hitters, but I'm working with you guys in the bullpen every day as well. So I got to, to, to kind of do it from both sides and from the pitching perspective. So many times, if the pitcher is unaware of the hitter, he'll pitch only to the count instead of pitching to the hitter. And sometimes yeah. that's necessary and sometimes that's good. But like you said, if you're the day before, you're paying attention, you've got three or four guaranteed ground balls or fly balls in there if you just watch. Yeah. You know, and that carries you all the way up, right? That that process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that was big. I mean... And when you didn't know guys, you just kind of knew a little bit about maybe their background, where they came from and what, what they were used to, and how they were faced. So you kind of was like, well, pitch this guy that way and this guy that way and just see. Um, and, and a lot of the bigger guys too, it was hard in and spin them away, you know, because they like to get extended. It was just, just different things, different mindsets. I um, mean, if you get a big guy that's got quick hands and stays inside it, you better be pretty good because that's going to be tough. But yeah, you've got to be 95 like to plus to get that guy out, right? Yeah, and, and typically they like to get extended. So it was, yeah. you know, and, and as my career grew, I started throwing harder. You know, yeah. I, my first two years, I wasn't a hard thrower. And then, you know, my third year, I started throwing 95 miles an hour, which back yeah. then was, was hard. Um, it's still hard now, but it was... It was hard back then. And, uh, you know, I could start to elevate more because I, when I learned to pitch, it was all down on the knees. Everything when I came into the game of baseball, no one taught you to pitch up, really. It was show up, get yeah. everybody out down. Out down, right. You know the game. It was on the knees. Boom, boom. They, the twins are just nonstop. Boom, here, 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 all day long. And then move the ball around. But you majority of your outs were going to come down in the zone. Right. And as the game's changed, obviously, we've seen even, you know, obviously today more so than any uh, is a lot of the arts are now coming up here. And and that's something that I was able to uh, develop uh, and, and having the velocity I had later, later on. And as I got a little older, I was able to utilize that and get a lot more outs there, too. Yeah. And get that reflex swing where you're there, it's almost coming at their face and and they'll, they'll get that top of the zone because it's it's hard to hit that one. <laughs> You know, yeah, 95, 96, tough to hit. Yeah, and I always sort of had that key was where's the hands um, and just above the hands. Because as soon as – if they got to just drop the head like that, yep, you, you can get hurt. But anytime you got to take the hands up to the ball, that back starts to drag. It's it's just a longer – takes a lot longer to get there, and it's tough. And it looks good, but it's, it's tough to hit. Uh, yeah, when that lead uh, elbow inverts, the back shoulder goes down, and you're also fighting gravity a little bit. So yeah, you're right. You, you've it's yeah. tough on a hitter when you get up there. 
So you get, when did you transition to closing full-time? Was that in the minor leagues or big leagues? Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah. So actually I was, I was a starter right up to high A ball <clears throat> starting, you know, rookie, rookie, low A, going to high A uh, and the uh, all-star break comes around and I'd been starting in high A in the Florida state league. And they said, Hey, we want to see you jump on the mound and close. So I jumped on the mound and closed and did really well. And they threw me on the 40 man roster that year. Um, so that was the off season, you know, it was a four years and then had to protect you. So I'm yeah. on the 40 man roster. I go to, uh, the next season I go to double a, but I started, I missed the first three weeks actually, cause I had a little forearm thing going on. It was cold. They're like, we're going to hold you back. So I was kind of just doing on my throwing in Florida. I went up and that was it. I, I was closing in double a and I, I threw up some, you know, great numbers, like a one something, you know, and just threw a ton of innings and got called up to the big leagues from there, right from there. So it, was, it happened quick. Well, yeah, that double A, double A is so much of a, a springboard uh, to that big league level. So you, how long did you spend in my leagues? Four, four years? So, yeah, it was about four and a, four and a half years. Okay. And you got called up in a one, correct? That's when you started? Yeah. Yeah. I got called up in 2001. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool up there, isn't it? Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I got caught up and it was, uh, you know, I, I always tell this story cause for me, it's pretty cool. But David Ortiz was down in, um, in double a doing a rehab assignment with the twins at the time. And, and he was not the big puppy back then. It wasn't, he wasn't right. known as big puppy. Then he was David Ortiz is with the twins, but he got called in and said, Hey, you're going to go up. You finished your rehab assignment. They called me in and said, Hey, you're going to go on the plane with him. So Pretty cool to see, you know, this day my first call up was with a, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer as, right. as he turned out to be and, and and a great guy, obviously, for baseball. So, yeah, pretty cool story oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's great. So you go up, um, you're, were you a midseason call up? Yeah, yeah, in uh, July. Okay. And did you just go right on the mound and start closing? Did that did that great season carry over the big leagues, or what happened that first year in the big leagues? That first half season in the yeah. big leagues. Yeah. So from being the closer in Double A to going up to the big leagues, you know, I wasn't the closer in the big leagues. They had their closer up there, but I was a late inning late inning guy, so I was more of a seventh, maybe eighth inning guy. Uh, but they use you more in that sixth, seventh, eighth inning. But yeah. I was. Um, and yeah, it, honestly, it, it was quick. It was nine days up there. Me and a uh, former first round pick that they had. Mm -hmm. um, we both kind of got caught up around the same time and we we're both there for a short time. And then it was in July and they made a big trade and they went out and got a couple of pitches in a big trade and we, we got sent down to uh, AAA. But we, you know, so it was a promotion Yeah, with a demotion, but you've been promoted, you know, we're in AAA now, so... Right. And we uh, finished out the end of the year in AAA there. So. Okay. And when did you go? When were you a full-time big leaguer? Uh, full-time big leaguer, 2003. Okay. Who was that with? With the Twins still. Yeah, with still the with the Twins. Yeah. Okay. And and you played with several different teams. Your Twins, Tampa Bay, Oakland. Um, but let's, let's, jump over, let, let's jump over to Oakland. Because uh, you yep. did something super freaking cool, brother. And Dennis Eckersley is, of course, Dennis Eckersley. He's the Eck. Yeah. And he's that closer guy. I mean, when he came into the game, it was over until yeah. you played there. 
And then you beat Dennis Eckersley's consecutive save record. Was that in, uh, that was in 05 and 06, right? Uh, this was in, sorry, when I was in Oakland there, I was in uh, 2000, I was there in 11, 12, and 13. 11, 12, 13, okay. In Oakland, yeah. Right. So when you are dominant at that level, you're dominant. You talked a little bit about this in the process. Your side work and what you're doing between the outings that you go and, and the, the, the process for a bullpen guy is much different than the process for a starter, which we'll talk about in just a yeah. second. But when you're going out and you're dialing it up and you're getting saves, you're just trying to kind of keep that momentum rolling, right? Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's two, two different spectrum. It's, you know, you could be in the bullpen and you're struggling, you're trying to find yourself and it's just not a good place to be in because it's not a good, not a good place to try to find yourself in the big leagues period. If you're going through some troubles and trying to work on things, right. That's what right. The, the minor leagues is for typically. Um, yeah. Obviously we, we go through things. We've got to make minor adjustments. Hopefully it's nothing too big. Uh, but when you got the ball rolling and there's, you know, the fans are behind you and you're winning ball games. I mean, it's nothing better. It's you're on cloud nine and you're, like you said, you're just trying to keep that going, keep that momentum going. You know, there was times where this, the season came to an end and I didn't want the season to stop. I wanted to keep <laughs> pitching. I was like, because I know what happens. You shut down. You got to restart the motors again yeah. type of thing. I just well, want to keep it. It's hard keep to going. get it started. It's hard to get it started and get to that level where you're yeah. kind of the guy getting stuff out. What what's different in the process there for you as a as that guy in Oakland? What did you do in between the times that you're on the mound? Yeah, so obviously at this point in time, I'm you know I've been in the in the bullpen now for a while in my career, and um, I know I know what it takes for me to prepare for the game, you know, before the game, you know, during during yeah, because it could be a process there where you're pitching three days straight, right? So right. I got to get my workouts in. I know I can't push it too hard. Um, so you, you sort of teetering all these different things of how much do I throw? How much do I lift this and that? And, and you get to know your body over time and you know where that comfort level is and you, you find it, you're like, all right, I'll do a little upper body here today, a little lower there. And you just, you feel comfortable with it. Your body doesn't hurt too much. You know, after you lift, you're not going through all this soreness you're getting your massages, you're doing your hot and cold therapies and you're keeping your body in good shape. You're going through all the, you know, what it takes off the field to prepare to, yeah. to get on the field. And, and that's where the confidence comes. Cause when you have done everything off the field and that was a big thing for me, you take that onto the mound. Now I stand on there and say, all right, I'm ready to go. I did everything mentally, physically off the field. I'm standing here. There's nothing else I could have done. So now you're confident. Yeah. And if you can, and if you stand on that mound and you didn't go through that process off the field and put in the time and the effort, then you start to second guess yourself. And, and, and if you're not dealing with any injuries, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've all pitched through my arm doesn't feel so great or this yeah. and that, that can be tough too. Right. Yeah. But um, when everything's going right, there's no better feeling than playing a game of baseball and, and, and all that's on your side. And, you have your process, but the, 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 I guess to answer more of your question is the, I used to love doing the flat ground and I would just, I would throw, I'd do my long toss 200 something feet 
which mm-hmm. isn't crazy long. But then when you come in to about 120 and I would just, I would throw him on a line. I would try to take his head off, you know, like um, really let it go. There's some change-ups, get that arm speed going, get a feel for my pitches, come in, throw a flat ground. It was a short, probably just right there on the grass, maybe 15, max 20 pitches. Yep. Get a feel of all my pitches, just bang, 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 hit my spot there, hit my spot there. And that was it. I'm like, I'm good. Everything's tightened up, buttoned up. I felt yep. good to go. Then you yeah. and you're ready. You're ready. If that phone call comes, you're ready to go. Yep. I go inside and, you know, you might do some massage and you might do, you know, the other things um, ready for game night. Yep. And obviously you, you, you've looked over the hitters, you've gone over the, the statistics and all the different, how you're going to get guys out and whatnot. But, um, that was actually my next question right there because we talked about this a little bit ago and, and I want to bring this forward. So you've just made your body ready. You've gone through your process to get ready. I don't know if I'm pitching tonight. You know, we may blow them out 11 to nothing and I may not get a chance to pitch or you may yeah. be in a tie ball game where you do because so you don't know as a bullpen guy, but you're yeah. assuming you will, right? Always, always showing up the ballpark, getting ready to pitch that night. You're right. never not ready unless the manager tells you you're down tonight because you pitched four days in a row. Yep. Mentally, you are every day you are ready to go. If you're not checked in and ready to go, it's going to be a rough night on that mound. Unless you you might get lucky, but you better yeah. be mentally ready. You better yeah, be ready. Luck and injury are roommates. I don't I don't like to deal with luck. I want to be like you. I want to be very yep. prepared when the call comes. I'm good. So let's talk about your, your pregame. You've got that squared away. Now, you go in and you're looking over the hitters. So you're not pitching blind. You're going out and you're kind of thinking through like, okay, I'm facing this club for the next three days. Here are the hitters. Here's the hot. Here's the cold. And you're going through that, making sure that you're aware when you're coming in of what you're going to have to do, right? Yeah, we've we've got yeah gone over that. I know I know the hitters, and I, and it's one of these things too where I you notice and, and hitters might say the same thing about me uh, as a pitcher, and I'm sure they do about a lot of pitchers. Um, we kind of stick with our strengths, yeah. so you don't change too much. Um, you know, we make small little tweaks, but for the most part, you are who you are. You pitch how you pitch. You know, you could sit here and say. You know, Rivera had the, the cutter and 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 this guy had the curveball and, and that's how they lived in their league. You know, that's what their strengths were. That's that's why they were there and they live and die by it, you know. But um, just knowing and having that mindset of how you're going to go about getting that hitter out that night was big for me. Like you said, the hot, the cold. And, and not only just, um, all right, the hot, the cold in, back in uh, – you know, April, but now we're in September and this guy's a different hitter than he was in April, you know, 100%. So looking at the last 30 days, what's he been doing the last 30 days? Cause you got some guys that come in and they're like, man, this guy is hot. He couldn't hit in June. He could barely hit. He's hitting a buck 50, but now he's hitting four fifty. Yeah. You know, the last three weeks and whatever he's done, he's made an adjustment and figured stuff out. He's hot. You can't pitch him the same as what you could back then. So you had to kind of keep up with the times, right? And and know, you know, what are these guys been doing in the last three or four or five series or what? And those are guys like yourself, I believe that you know, would be be scouting, right? You've been yeah. through the scouting process and 
uh, each each club has a, a scout at the at different levels and whatnot, and they can give you a lot of that information. Right, right. So what I'm hearing is you're going to stay in your strength, and your strength was that fastball, the slider. What was what was your strength? Yeah, exactly. Right, basically what you right said there. right there. Right I mean, there. I, heat it up. Like, like I like to go, you know, backdoor slider, back foot slider. I like to go with the curveball and then back backdoor it. Yep. Yeah, you know, there's different things I like to do. Peter. So you're going to stay in your strength, but you're aware of also how hot the hitter is and not to pitch to his strength. Yeah. At yeah. The I mean, there's, there's a few guys that were, if they're really, really hot, I'm going to tip my cap to that in a way and <laughs> say, well, he's, he's hot. All right. You know, I got him out this way before, but now he's, he's hitting that ball pretty good right now. So we've got to, just be a little bit aware of it. I want to give him too much. I'm not going to give him too much of an edge. Yeah. But just be aware of it and not understand that, you know, he's hitting that ball in that location pretty well right now. So we might have to go somewhere else, especially in a in a big situation too. I mean, if there's no one on, no one out, it's a diff, maybe a different approach and just go at him, you know. But if we're talking games on the line and we got second and third with one out, I mean, you're going to – you better – be making a, a pitch you know yeah no 100 percent, right you can uh, it's still a round bat and a round ball it's hard to do so uh yeah stay, staying in your zone staying in your strength and making him kind of do it is, is key now you're also known as a, a closer and and how many by the way how many saves how many saves did you get consecutively to break x record i ended up with the 44 44 yeah Dude, that is that's insane i mean that you got to feel right just every day going in keeping yeah. that little process going that's amazing but I, I pulled up doing a little research i pulled up some youtube clips and mm. you were known as a pretty fiery guy right you're a closer yeah. certainly back then in the 90s you had those guys like you and guys like gagne who were coming in hot and <laughs> Those Oakland fans, dude, they're doing the, the the chant and the Metallica's playing and you're coming in the game and you're a fired up dude when you pitched, right? Yeah, it helped me it helped me zone in and um really hone in and focus in on on what I needed to do. Um I couldn't just come in, you know, nonchalant jogging in and just try to stay calm like that. I wanted to get fired up, zoned yeah. in. It got me locked in. It's just like, you know, I don't know. It was just a different mentality for me, I guess. That's what worked for me. So that's what I did. Well, and it as a closer, you really want a guy that's aggressive. And um, the aggressive guys don't care if they miss. Now, you don't want to miss. You want to hit your spots. But it's yeah. this pitch is over. What's the next pitch? I'm coming to get you out. You're I am momentum. You're not. This is what I'm doing. Did that start yeah. in the minor leagues for you? Did you start that in the big leagues? When did that start for you? That coming in all fired up. Uh, it would I would have said started more in the big leagues. Um, I guess I had to tell myself, you know, I went through some injuries earlier in my uh, big league career, and um, when I came back from it because I had a shoulder reconstruction, elbow reconstruction all in one year. And the chances of maybe coming back are slim, right? Yeah. And then, and then coming back and being able to pitch and compete and, you know, getting to, you know, staying in the big leagues and whatnot is uh, not an easy process. So I kind of told myself, well, 
that something I should have told myself and something I told kids now, I should have told myself this. Or I wish I knew earlier in my big league career in the first three or four years. Um, like not only, okay, I made it to the big leagues, right? But yeah. now, and I had that goal, but now did I set goals once I got to the big leagues? What am I going to do once I get here? What kind of player do I want to be in the big leagues? You want that longevity? And it's like some of those things I, I kind of look back and think, maybe I didn't tell myself, you know, push myself hard enough as to, or, or give myself enough hope that, hey, I'm going to be in the big league. You want to be 10 years in the big leagues. You want to be, you know one of the best in the league. And it's, and it's sort of at that point in time, I told myself, you know what? I want to be one of the best relievers in the game. And it was such of a long shot goal. People would have maybe looked at me and said, you're crazy. Right. Right. But I felt like there was something about it. that told me if that's, and I want to be like Myron Avera, and I want to be like Joe Nathan, who was one of my teammates and all these guys that were at the top of the game. Why can't I be there? What are they doing? That, you know, why can't I get there? And maybe it was just a mental thing. Maybe I, I could, you know, and I challenged myself to, to be that one of the best um, at what I do. And, and my game, honestly, from there, with that mentality, my game lifted. And I always remember, you know, obviously wasn't one of the best relievers in the game by any means, but I was on that top 10 list a, a lot there that they brought up for five or six years, you know, the top 10 relievers in the game. And I said to myself, well, you know, maybe that was the difference. I really pushed myself to, to be the best I could be and get the most out of myself. Well, so you get there and now everything changes and now you want to be one of the best and dude, you're pretty good. I mean, you pitched over a decade in the big leagues and yeah. you've got some records. You're in the Australia, you know, baseball hall of fame. And uh, I think you did a pretty dead good job of setting that goal. And then of course, working to achieve it. We were talking a little bit, uh, you get, you get hurt in, uh, in your, in your big league career. You said you had some shoulder reconstruction and elbow reconstruction and it was um, in the same year, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was in 2005. Yep. Okay. And talk me through overcoming adversity right there. Cause injury is a part of what we do and it's almost expected. I mean, we don't want it obviously, but the nature of the yeah. game grinds up those elbows and shoulders. So talk about the injury. Did, did, did it pop one day or something that uh, just kind of a pepper grinder kind of injury? Yeah. I think it was just over time, just sort of wear and tear over time. And then just started to, you know, um, have issues, you know, I start to feel it pulling and tugging on you and just, just something just didn't feel right. You're trying to ball enough times where you knew yourself. It just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, uh, and looking back, obviously you, you, you don't want to go through the process that I went through, right? You, you want to stay out there. You want to be healthy and guys that have been healthy and never had surgery tip my cap. Yeah. yeah. It'd, be, it'd be great. Um, but I think 80, 90% of pitchers that are, have pitched in the big leagues and for, for, you know, for the t amount of time that I did going to have some type of surgery or, or some kind, you know, something happened, right. Some type of injury. Uh, and it's just the way it is. It's kind of just how it goes with baseball. It seems like, right. And yeah. professional yeah. sports in general. C completely pro sports injury is a part of the deal. It is what it is. But that's hard to take when you're the is. When you're the is, you know, having had issues myself, 
man, it just, it's a leg sweep. So your process, we're not even going to talk about the rehab because the rehab is the rehab. When you're back, now you're back, you've gotten through that. How did your process change? Could you lift the same? Could you do the band work the same? How did the icing change? How did all of that change pre-injury, post-injury? Or did it? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the amount of rehab I did and everything, I I came back stronger. You know, I came back stronger. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was some bumps in the road and some hiccups and trying to, you know, oh, does that feel right? And this and that and trying it. But once it all came together, and it took a while um, because I I came back and I thought I was back and then my arm just wasn't there yet still. You know, the muscles were just, you're like, oh, man, dead arm, trying to go out and go back-to-back days and and this and that. It it took a little while to get to where I could just – fully let it go i'm back to back days i could pitch one over the phone rings and whatnot that process took a little while and um you know and it was tough because not only you know i was in the big leagues but was let go and then was picked up by another club and now i'm now in the minor leagues in double a having to get back to the big leagues yeah you know yeah so, you gotta earn it back yeah so i gotta earn it back all of a sudden you know, so a little discouraging, but man, I, I, I just remember I went, um, Cincinnati and I, I appreciate them for, you know, and the, and the, the trainers there for everything they did to get me back and, um, get me back on track. But, um, I ended up doing that process in the minor leagues with Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. And I went, went to double a, I had to go out there and earn it. I had to earn it. You know, nothing's given to you. So Put up the numbers, was there for three weeks out of there, up to AAA, and and I and I knew I had tasted the big leagues and I had some little success there, and I wanted back. So eventually, after a few months there and just dealing there, uh, I got that chance to get back and and um, yeah, back to where I wanted to be. But uh, definitely not easy. Uh, but I was able to do everything. Like I said, I came back stronger. I was able to do everything I could before. Uh, really didn't set me back, uh, other than just that, that rehab process. I was from there on out, I felt stronger than ever. And I was throwing harder than ever and, um, continued with my ways on what I always used to do for the most part. Well, that, I think that's probably a testament to the dedication to the process after surgery. Cause that's, that's tough coming back from the surgery and that you don't understand or got younger guys don't quite understand how incredibly important trusting your physical therapist and trusting your doctors and learning that's a new pain. These are pains yeah. I didn't feel before and yeah. working through that rehab process so that your process doesn't change. And many guys, it does. Now they'll yeah. get back and they can't go back to back days or, you know, they have to ice more. They can't do, um, you know, maybe they have to wait until Thursday to throw bullpens and, and it, it really does change, but you were able to go. Once you got your rehab done, once you got back up, you were able to plug right back into the routine that you built and that worked for you. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, I think I was young enough. I was 25 years old. So I was still fairly young. Yeah that helped a lot too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Awesome, brother. Well, let, let's, um, let, let's give some advice right here. Yep. You talking to you at 16, you talking to you at 20, if you could talk to the guys right now, and this goes, you know, you, 
you do camps and clinics and you speak to dudes. What's your prime advice you give to a player that's trying to get to the next level? Yeah, I think the the one thing that they do a really good job of today, like just the, even like the minor leagues, the major league level is having these players, um, you know, when I came up and, and, and a lot in the years before that, even more so was, you know, getting to the big leagues and it was tough, right? You, you were the rookie, you were kind of like, you know, like they made it hard on you, right? Yeah. Um, and you didn't know if you belong there. You were like, man, he's, you know, it's not an easy, easy thing. It wasn't like you were just open arms, welcome, come in. You belong here, this and that. You got that swagger. You just feel confident. You kind of a little bit on eggshells. You're like, kind of don't want to do anything wrong. You know, you got a lot of big leagues that have been around, had time. You don't want to be that guy that comes in and act like you, you know, yeah. you've been there forever. Yeah. These days, I, I feel like that happens a lot more. You know, I'm not in the big league clubhouse now, but good and bad, not, not in a bad way, but in a good way is why I'm trying to, you know, put that because they feel confident. They come in, they feel wanted. They feel like, man, this guy is here for a reason. Just go out and do what you've been doing sort of thing. Um, and not that they didn't say that, but it was, I think knowing that you belong. Right. Um, and you can feel confident going in there. Uh, it is a big, big part of it. Uh, because you kind of, you get there, you get up to a ne next level and you wonder, do I belong here? Am I good enough to be here? Some of those guys question those things, you know? And I think if you can eliminate a lot of that and realize that, yeah, you do belong there. And it's just, you know, about going, getting comfortable, not comfortable in a way where you know you belong there. Right. Um, I think you can succeed a lot, a lot quicker, you know? Yeah, well, I think they're wanting them to succeed a lot quicker. But like you said, you know, when, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, you get there and it, I don't want to say it's hazing, but it's like they almost kind of forget about you a little bit and you got to yeah. draw their attention back up again. Hey, remember me? Um, now you're saying it's it's a little bit uh, more cordial, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can remember, you know, going to spring training and I'd go over and watch a big league spring training game. Um, it took me years and years to to be able to get you know i had to get on that 40-man roster to get in that dugout to go over there and pitch an inning in a spring training game and then as i you know became a big leaguer and was around a while i mean we're pulling guys from rookie ball or a ball to come over and pitch an inning and i'm like man it wasn't that easy i had to like fight right. to get a, an inning over here but yeah. you guys are, you guys don't realize how lucky you got it you know yeah, 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 yeah. It was unheard of back then. The day, I was dying for that, you know? And right. then come over and pitch an inning in the spring training game. I was, you know, you'd hear the crowds going and you were one of the minor leaguers on the outside thinking, man, I hope one day I can get in there and pitch one of those spring training games. It'd be cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, they are doing that a lot more. Go ahead and get them in there. See how they perform. Yeah. See how they act. See what they do. And They're getting acclimated a, a lot quicker. And I, I think that's, that's definitely – helping the players out a lot. It's a, it's a yeah. big part of it. Yeah. Let's um let's talk about your your competitiveness. So I break competitiveness down into five areas. There are the competitive assassins. 
that overt, like that Michael Jordan, he's going to chirp at you the whole time. He's targeting somebody. And you got mm-hmm. the covert guys that you don't hear them coming, but they're still, they're, they're attacking people. I'm coming after that guy. You've yeah. also got the, kind of the collectors who are very goal setting. I want to get to this. I want a, a ring. I want this. I want, and they set everything based off goals. Process guys, all driven by the process. And then you've got the loss averse dudes that just, and I know, you know, guys like this, you just can't be around them when they're they're just so loss averse. And then the anomalies, the guys that are just, he can just do it better. Where were you? you, And and everybody has all of these kind of like a Venn diagram, how they kind of overlap, but there's usually one thing that kind of sticks out. Like Roger Clemens is a notorious goal setting guy. I yeah. want this and this and this and this where Michael Jordan is, you know, the basketball player is coming at you. He's an assassin. Where yeah. do you think you are with that? What's that one trait that you think codifies mm. you? Um, It's tough, you know, cause it was kind of like, you feel like you're the assassin in a way as I'm coming after you as the hitter. Right. Yep. yep. But you definitely much going through the process of, you know, off the field, preparing yourself so that 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 brought me to a place on the mound where I felt confident and and fully insecure um what's the word uh, in control yeah. of what I was going to do yeah. uh, um so but yeah I, lo- I love to set goals I mean I, I was a guy that set short-term long-term goals for myself like I told you the process of earlier after my injuries I told myself I want to be one of the best relievers in the game. I didn't care what anyone thought about. It. I was just telling myself. I wasn't yeah. really putting it out there. Uh, I was challenging myself. I love to challenge myself um, and get the best out of myself. And, and that was something that I did. Even something stupid like when I was, you know, before I even came over as a minor league, I used to go out and run. And I would, and I would pretend there was someone over my shoulder chasing me down when I go out and run at night to get ready to run for these mile and two mile, two and a half mile races. I knew had to do in spring training, pretend there's someone over my shoulder chasing me and there was no one there. It was just me in my head and me challenging me. And sometimes that, that was a, some of the biggest challenges. It's when you find it in life and in baseball, you are just challenging yourself sometimes and you, it's in your own head. You know, you just got to believe in yourself. Yeah, so much. And believe in your output. Believe in yeah. what I'm doing. This, I'm good believe because I can do this. Yeah, believe in the process. Yeah, so it sounds like you're that achiever process guy. That's really home for you. Yeah, I would That's say. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, okay. I definitely definitely was uh, a guy that was a uh, work hard. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was as talented as maybe some of these other guys. First round is all this and that. But I always told myself, if I just keep working hard, keep working hard and keep going yep. at the process, uh, eventually one day I'm going to pass up some of these guys or whatever it is. I just want to be the guy that works hard and they see that and notice that. And we might be two of us that are on the yeah. same here and they're going to say, this guy works hard. He wants it so bad and be that guy that they choose. And that's, that's kind of was my mentality. Yeah. So many times you, if you just keep 
focused on what you're doing and let people fail around you. And, you know, these are teammates. You don't want them to fail. But yeah. there's a reality of it that you have to kind of let people go uh, and yeah. just keep keep chugging away. That's awesome, dude. Well, let's uh, let's get to the end here. We got a little questionnaire, fun, neat little I do, questionnaire. I do want to bring something up that I think Please. is important real quick before yeah. we switch yeah. because it does go hand in hand with that. When you're when you're in minor league ball, you are challenging all those guys around you because you, you you're trying to get to the next level, right? Right. But a big part that I found too is you never want to root bad against someone on your team. It's a bad way to go because it's a team sport. We're all team players. And that's where the mental side of it, challenging myself within myself and wanting myself to get better. Yeah. As opposed to wanting something on someone else. Cause I remember guys that were, man, I hope he goes out, gives it up tonight. Cause I want to get that call up and this and that. You never want to. You never want to be that way. I never thought that way. Um, challenge yourself and get better and be the best that you can be. Don't worry about what's going on around you and what this guy's doing. Because if you're worrying about what he's doing, he's going to pass you because yeah. he's focused. So stay focused on yourself and the mentality and all that stuff, the physical stuff, and don't wish bad on teammates. Wish good for teammates because we're out there trying to win, right? Right, and that, right. And That'll work for you all the way through your career. And yeah, that's it that control the into- controllables kind of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. And it does get competitive. And there are dudes that uh, don't wish, uh, you know, maybe they just don't say it or say it. It happens in college yeah. and high school. But just stay focused on your job. And if you can all get there, great. It's even better. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great yeah. advice, man. Well, let's, uh, I've taken up so much of your time. And, and again, I really appreciate this, man. Let, let's get to our little little questionnaire here. You ready? Yeah, yeah. All right. Seeds or gum? Seeds. You like the seeds? You like the flavor seeds? Yeah, yeah. I usually do seeds, yeah. That's it's all about your, your thing, huh? A of, yeah, a lot of seeds when you're in the bullpen, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Making seed pyramids. And sometimes it gets boring out there. That's awesome. Day game or night game? What was your favorite? Night game. Under you like the, the lights. Night game? Under yeah. the lights. There's nothing better, man. Nothing better. Grass or turf? And you played on a lot of both. Yeah. You know, hey, I've, I've played on a lot of both. But at the end of the day, nothing better than being on the grass outside, honestly, I think. Just, you know, go grass. Yeah, old school, man. I agree with you there. Home or away? Uh, man, it's, you know always love being home with the home fans you know and you're in your in the comfort of your own home but uh definitely some fun places to go on the park and play away too for sure which park did you like to play in the most what was your favorite um you know i enjoyed i enjoyed going to seattle because that was one of the places where one of the first big league ballparks i got to play in when i got uh, the futures game yeah man i got called up to the big leagues that was one of the first uh ballparks i went to on the road so I always had family there and uh, my sister loves lives up around that uh, part of the world. So it was always a fun place to go. I love Chicago. I love the city of Chicago and Chicago is always good. Um, you know, as much as New York city, I'm not like a huge fan of New York city. I don't want to live there, but it was fun to go play there. Um, so, yeah. Well, there's such cathedrals, you know, uh, even, even back in our day, that's, there's nothing like it, man. That's that's awesome. So uh, DH or pitcher hit, and you're a pitcher. So what do you think? Yeah, well, uh, 
I, I go with where we're at now, the DH. I think it's it's fun to watch some pitches hit, and some of those guys probably enjoyed hitting, but I think it evens out the playing field. You got a guy out there that can hit. Well, it's offense. I mean, they don't they don't come to see a 0-0 game in the ninth, right? Yeah. They, well, they want offense. Batting gloves or bare hand? When you hit, what did you like? Did you go bare hand or uh, did you go batting gloves? I honestly, I had batting gloves on. It was, I only had a very small amount of at-bats, mostly in the American League. So, yeah, yeah I go with batting gloves. Okay. Socks or stirrups? Are you old school stirrup yeah. guy? Uh, I was I was a socks, but I came I played with some guys that wore the stirrups. Um, I mean, I had Jesse Urasco on my team. He had been in the big leagues for longer than I was alive. <laughs> I think it was his 26th year in the big leagues, and I was I was 23 at the time. Um, Terry Mulholland, I remember him yeah. throwing on the stirrups. Those guys, you know, those were the that's what they did. But yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I think that- my era was socks. So. That's all we had back then, the sanitary socks and the stirrups. I mean, I'm a little, yeah. I think I'm a couple of years older than you, but uh, I hated the sanitaries. I hated uh, it. When I got to got to the sock phase, I loved that a lot better. I had to wear the stirrups. We did that in the minor leagues. I remember the sannies. You'd go pick your sannies out of the basket, and then you'd throw the stirrups on. But, man, when they brought socks into it, it was a game changer. Oh, so much easier. So simple. So now from that, long pants or knickers? What was your favorite? Um. So I went back and forward with this minor leagues. I did, I did the shorter ones pulling up a lot. Yeah. Um, I did a bit of both. I went back and forward with it, played around with it. Yeah. But uh, for the long, for long pants, for the most part. Yeah. Long pants. That's, yeah. uh, that's just easier superstition or ritual. Were you a superstitious guy or uh, a ritual guy, you know, let the tweaky little stuff. Yeah, there was some stuff. I got a left sock first and a few little things. I wanted to wear a chain that I had every game. I wanted to have that on. So, yeah, there was definitely some things there. Yeah, it didn't, didn't feel right if I put my right sock on first? Yeah, there was, there was a handful of things, quirky stuff. That you look back and think, probably had no difference, you know, to the yeah, but- at all. But, hey, we're going to do it anyway. It, right, athletes are athletes, man. Now. Yeah, it, it's part of the process, exactly. Sports drink. What's your color? Sports drinks. Uh, geez. I guess, you know, I've had all kinds of different drinks I've had in a long way. I drink the amino drink now and whatnot, but. What, what's, um, your, what's your color? What's your flavor? Color? Uh, probably punch. Red. Oh, so you're, punch, you're, the, you're you the fruit punch guy. Fruit punch. Yeah. Okay, cool. When I was a kid, man, you had Gatorade and it was yellow, uh, you know, lime or orange. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Out, I couldn't stand either one of them, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into some little tougher questions. The, the accomplishment that you are most proud of. Um, geez. So That's we've had guys talk about making yeah. it to the big leagues or coming back from injury or, you know, yeah. they've talked about uh, getting into the hall of fame, you know, kind of stuff. But if you had to name one thing that you can go back and we've had people talk about family and stuff like that too. What's the yeah. one thing that, uh, that you think that you're probably the most proud of? Yeah. And that's, a, that's really tough to pinpoint one, because like you said, it could go to family with this, just being dedicated um, and, uh, and all the things you go through to get to where you got to, to make yeah. it the big leagues. Um, I would think off the field, 
I, I, I said it was off the field. It was overcoming injury and been able to continue my career and trusting and believing in the people around me and myself and working hard to get through that process and then to have the career I had um, and, and have the longevity. And then on the field, I guess I would go with the most, most consecutive saves at 44 um, because the game of baseball is tough to be able to repeat, have that competitiveness, um, go day in, day out, and be able to keep doing the same thing. And, I mean, it's like you said, that's the toughest thing to do, you know. It's go out there and be able to compete at a high level for as long as you can. And you could have one little slip up in June, July, August, no matter what it is, and it's all over. Right. So just having that. um, I think that's uh, the the consecutive consecutive save record is something that's certainly to be – proud of because that requires so much of you and and the mental and mentally it can be exhausting too right to mentally every day you got to be there you can't you're not allowing yourself to waver at all i don't want to get too high yeah you don't want to get too low you stay right here and you just keep keep it going keep it going keep it going and that was over a year and a half so i had to stop re yeah through the whole uh process of the off season and then go back at it again to start a new season. So consecutively, I mean, that's, I think, dude, that's the thing that is, uh, you are certainly remembered by. And, uh, yeah, I would be certainly proud of that. Is there a, is there a loss that haunts you? A loss? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess the only loss you could that would haunt me anything like today I was thinking would have been nice to win the world series, right? Yeah. Got to the yeah. world series. The only one I ever played in, but grateful to, to have a chance to play in the World Series. But, man, would it have been nice? Yeah, I got the ring here for the American League Championship ring. Nice big ring. But having that other, that that World Series, that, that would have definitely been nice, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's usually the one that that, that gets you. And everybody's got one that they uh, that kind of comes up a little bit on them. Best trick, tip, or piece of advice you ever got? And from who? Um. So, yeah, I'll give it to Stu Clyburn, uh, pitching coach in the minor leagues. You know, I learned a lot in the minor leagues, right? Yeah. Uh, Rick Knapp, pitching coordinator. A lot of those guys just paved the way of the process of preparing yourself and what you got to do to get ready, you know, to be a big leaguer. And those guys had a big influence on my career. Uh, Stu Clyburn, one of the things he told me, when things are going bad on the mound, step off the mound get a focal point in the stadium to zone out, tell yourself, get confident, get back in the game. You got this trust and believe in yourself. And uh, something I used uh, quite a lot. I got myself in a little bit of trouble quite a lot. <laughs> As <laughs> we do. my way out of it. But so uh, that's, a, so that's, a, that's basically a reset button instead of reset. Just, right. Instead of just going back up, staying in that same rhythm of getting your butt kicked. Yeah. reset step off and reset yeah not letting the game get too fast when the game gets too fast which it did at times yep. and um it happens quick in the big leagues that game the four or five spot on that on there quick if you uh if yeah you don't make adjustments so and it you know it happened once or twice so you know i had to make adjustments and um, slow the game down and just remember yeah, you, know, you can. You're only one pitch away. Sometimes, eh? The the, the best thing about baseball is you can be loaded bases, not out, and you're one pitch away from getting out of that inning. You can turn a triple play. 
Exactly. Yeah, you're never Great out of game. it, man. <laughs> I always taught myself that. I'm like, man, I get three outs here with one pitch. Just make right. one good pitch. And right. then if you're a believer in that, hey, it might happen. I don't think I ever got one behind me, but you know, I get some double plays or whatever, get you out of an inning. Yeah, no, you can't get discouraged. I mean, you're the one with the ball in your hand, you know? And yeah. pitch the contact, get get a ground ball. The guys behind you are paid to. Let them pick it up, and they can go to the All-Star game, too, with a win. That's it. Exactly. That's awesome, man. All right, here's the big one. You ready? Yeah. When it is all over, when it is said and done, what is the one thing you want to be remembered by? How do you want to be remembered? Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I want, I want the, the, the teammates and the, and the, the fans to know that I, I gave it my all. I gave it everything. I left it all out there. Um, I put my heart on my sleeve and, uh, you know, I gave it everything I had. Um, I think that's, yeah. that, that's certainly a testament to your career. And <laughs> I don't think you can do it any other way and get 44 consecutive saves. I mean, you were committed, you were out there, bunch of different teams, yeah. Tampa Bay here. So brother, I think that's, uh, that's absolutely outstanding. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. I really do. Yeah. And, um, Again, what a great career that spanned 12 years. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, what do we have? Gee, 2001 to 15, parts of 14 years. But, you know, I ended yeah. up with about, what, 10 and a half years of service time, actual service time, you know, yeah. over the 14 seasons. So, yeah. Well, brother, again, that is awesome. And I appreciate your time uh, spending with us. I know we had some technical difficulties, but we, we persevered yeah. and we overcame them. Yeah, no, we did. We did. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, you got it, mate. Thanks very much. And good spending time with you. Yes, sir. You too.